to the Whiskey Sessions podcast. Amets here with B Pimp, episode 154. B Pimp, what's up with you? I'm doing great, and so is Horace Gramps, who is a classic number 54. Classic. Loved his goggles. Yep. Loved the way he played. Uh, great Rex, Rex Bex. Yeah. Good on the Orlando Magic, too. He was a good player. He was overall, he was a great player. And I always liked that. Um, there was one of the, I had all those bulls championship, you know, compilation videos as a kid. And there was one where they showed him, he would go like four man. Cause he was the power forward. He would do that a lot. And I liked that <laughs> he's representing the power forwards. You don't see that enough positional representation. I know. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of basketball, it was a heck of a deadline. A doozy. How do you even recover? I mean, it did not disappoint. A lot of NBA trade deadlines come and go and not much has happened. That is not the case for this one. What uh, what surprised you the most? Where do you want to start? Holy cow. I mean, I have, I have one entry from this year on my list that we're going to talk about today. But I mean, this, the, the biggest thing for me was like, there was teams that did nothing or very little that kind of surprised me. And then there was also teams that just like completely reshaped their rosters at the straight deadline. It's nuts. Oh yeah. I, I feel like the Brooklyn Nets. I would have to look, but I'm assuming that their entire rotation is different. Minus Ben Simmons, who doesn't count because he doesn't even play half the games. Cam Thomas is there. He's the whole oh, yeah. Cam Thomas. <laughs> Reckon teams. The 40, 40 point maestro. Yeah. Um, no, it's uh it really was a crazy tread deadline. Um, and folks at home, keep listening because we are talking about our top five most surprising, most exciting trade deadlines of all time in the NBA. Uh, so we're going to look back on trade deadlines past, but this one, I mean, yeah, you can talk about Kevin Durant. You can talk about Kyrie Irving, then moving and blowing up the whole nets. Um, all of yeah. that around, uh, the Lakers, there were Russell Westbrook going, uh, D'Angelo Russell coming mm-hmm. a lot of changes there. I think by and large, thematically, it seems like the West got better. Oh yeah. Big time. And this was coming up into the deadline. This is one of the first seasons in a while. And maybe last season was also the case, but one of the first seasons in a while where you would say the Eastern conference was better than the Western conference. Yeah, definitely a couple of top strong teams and then like some decent depth, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, between maybe the Clippers getting a little stronger, the sun's obviously stronger. Mavericks definitely stronger. I don't know if you can say that anymore. I'm not sure. Yeah, I like it's interesting the power dynamics between the conferences how they've shifted over the years. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh, definitely interesting. And your Warriors they abandoned their two timelines approach basically almost and traded Wiseman for GP two. Although there's controversy over that deal now. So yeah, when we're recording this, I I don't know if that whole trade is going to be revoked or, or what would happen? I mean, I'm a little upset with the trailblazers. That seems like some shady business. It does. They were making basically told them, screw you, go play, even though you still have a torn abdominal muscle or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And he's trying to gut it out. And then they're lying in the trade. What are we doing here? 
They got rid of one massively disappointing GM to replace him with a liar in Portland. Yeah, that's. Uh, I feel bad for him. I, I like that you said gut it out. That's like the most literal definition of that with the phenomenal yeah. uh, problem. But I was honestly, if it was going to work out, I was really excited to have GP2 back on the Warriors. Latest headline I saw is they're working directly with the NBA to try to resolve the trade without canceling it. So it's possible that he's still there for the seasons coming up. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Maybe they'll have to put Jeremy Grant in the trade. And hey, hey, hey Dame. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Dame would be coming home. I'm sure he wants to come home. Oh man, can you imagine Dame and Steph Curry in the backcourt? Jesus Christ. Yes. Uh, that would be amazing. Uh, but we of course are talking about the whiskey sessions podcast here. Let me, let me show you this whiskey I have. Yeah. I just opened it. Uh, and I wanted to take, this is uh breaking and entering American whiskey. Whoa. That's uh, pretty amazing. I'll, yeah. I'll take a quick sniff. Hmm. I want to be honest with you. The smell is real weird for a whiskey. It smells like, is that it's hold on. Give me a quick second. It actually smells. I want to say like beef. Uh Oh, could that mean there's only one thing. There's only one thing that means it's time for bees beef. Oh yeah. I don't eat meat, but I've got bees, bees, beef, bees, beef. And it's on the theme for what we were just talking about. So this, this is going to be very, I'm very passionate about this. So I, I have to, you know, I put a lot of time and effort into this beef and despite how the first sentence starts, just, just ride with me here. Bulls fans. This blase bees beef goes out to Arturis Karnaschovas and the rest of the boring bulls decision makers. Ouch. The 20, the 2022, 23 Chicago bulls are a very un- uninspiring unit charging through a season filled with blown leads, bad losses, inconsistent performances, and indefensible mistakes. The brain trust of this team, faced with the cold reality of being relentlessly mediocre, decided to do absolutely nothing on trade deadline day. Not even a minor trade to pick up some extra draft capital. At the risk of being cynical, it seems they decided that the juice wasn't worth the squeeze since they'll dismantle this failed experiment of a roster after they lose a playing game. And one of the most predictable and and fitting turns of recent history, they followed this inactivity up by losing to a freshly gutted Brooklyn Nets roster that was carried by oft-outcast erstwhile bull Spencer Dinwiddie. Stick a fork in this organization, it's done. Wow. A well-done bees beef, just like this Bulls team. Yep, they're well done. They're still, they're, they're like... It's like a fish that's dying, which is a, it's a disturbing image. I apologize for that. But I mean, it's just flapping around and like they'll win a game here and there. They'll upset a team that you don't think they'll beat. And then they'll lose 10 winnable games. And that's just what the steam is. Yeah. I, in watching the Bulls, I can't help but feel like I, I honestly thought they should have traded Zach Levine. And every time I watch him play, he can have really explosive games, but there is something about the way he plays. And I feel this way with him. I feel it with Carl Anthony Towns. I definitely feel it with Russell Westbrook, although to a different degree. They just don't play winning basketball, and I can't put my finger on it. 
They see well, the, Zach Levine. It's hard because he's an extremely talented offensive player, and he'll have stretches where it looks like nobody could touch him. But then it seems like what I've noticed this year is when he gets into crunch time, his offense disappears a lot and he'll have turnovers, just like crippling mistakes that, I mean, if you're going to be like, I don't, I don't disagree with the fact that the bulls paid him because I don't think that they could have just let him walk. I don't think that. And I think his, the fact that he still has trade value on this contract shows that that was correct, but I wouldn't have been upset. Like if there was a rumor that they were going to trade him for a huge package from the Knicks, and if they would have gotten like first round picks, Cam Red or not Cam Reddish, uh, RJ Barrett, somebody like somebody good and some picks for Levine, I would have not, I would have not been upset in any way because it's just trying something different with the rest of the roster. You know, like we've yeah. seen what they are. Yeah, they don't uh, have it this year. Well, I hope they at least make the play in to lose a game. Right. I just think it's a set. They have like a. What would be the perfect? It would probably be the Nets. The Nets somehow st- stick around and just eliminate them from the season. It would be perfect. <laughs> you know what? I, I won't even sleep on this Nets team. They've got some good players. They did. They the people that they got like Dorian Finney-Smith, and like they just have like they have now they have fifteen three and D wings basically, and a couple <laughs> point guards and Nick Clark's all three and D wings. Yeah. Uh, okay. Jokes aside, I'm gonna say this breaking and entering American whiskey does not. Smell like beef. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, the beef cloud is lifted. And now you lifted. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to give it a sip. It is 43% alcohol by volume. Um, this is the first time I've seen it. And I, I this is a, a liquor store I peruse often here in Oakland. It's right next to what we call the Hill People's Safeway. I'm not even really sure. It's like Redwood Heights neighborhood. And, uh, yeah, I'm very curious about this whiskey. It was, it was about $37. So definitely could go either way. And on the back, it says as America's original craft distillery, we've been regarded as pioneers and innovators since 1982. I thought I maybe read that year wrong, but 1982, that's not that long ago. It's only three Where I was born. <laughs> uh, okay. Although we take tremendous pride in this legacy, we also have a wicked little side hobby: barrel thieving. Ooh, the bottle you hold is the result of our latest thievery: spicy rye and rich sweet bourbon barrels pilfered from a few of our favorite distilleries, then blended with our own whiskey at our distillery into something greater than the sum of its parts. The result is a criminally delicious whiskey shaped by a diverse American pedigree and our own unique St. George hand. Huh. Okay. I like it. Well, what is interesting about it is it's blended and bottled by St. George Spirits in Alameda, California. (laughs) Whoa, mispronounced the state I lived in. California. California. For folks who don't know the Bay Area particularly well, uh, Alameda is just an island right off of Oakland. Uh, so we go there with some frequency. I like that it's an 86 proof too. Yeah. And what's interesting is when I got this and it said breaking and entering American whiskey, my first sense was like American whiskey. What the hell does that mean? Just call it bourbon. Yeah. But no, they want to call it American whiskey. So we'll see. Uh, I have it on kind of half of a rock in my whiskey, whiskey drinking glass. 
It's, uh, I gotta see the color. That's my, oh, okay. Ooh, that's a little darker than a lot of your fare that you normally pick. It is. And I, you know, when the bottle looked that way, it's got like a little bit of a honey look. Um, again, it, it smells like, uh, I would say a typical bourbon, maybe not quite as sweet. I'll give it a sip here. Amex has a fantastic whiskey drinking glass uh, for, for those of you out there who don't have the luxury of seeing it. It's got a nice design on it. Now I will say oddly, despite the fact that the smell seemed less sweet than your typical bourbon, the taste is more sweet, not, not syrupy sweet necessarily, but just kind of had a fruity punch up front. Mm. Yeah. It was a little interesting. interesting. Yeah. Not like real, real strong, but definitely noticeable. That's I think because it's an 86 proof and that's a lower alcohol. I think usually you'll find those have like more unique kind of flavors that they're trying. It seems like to me anyway, it does seem that way. I, I thought they would hint at it somewhere in the bottle, uh, but I didn't see anything there. So let me give it another sip. What does Alameda have to offer? Alameda is interesting because it is suburban ish feeling. It also has a lot of, restaurants that are local chains that come from San Francisco. So I think really what happens a lot is San Franciscans want to move to a more suburban feeling place. And then they move to Alameda. Mm. Um, that said, I mean, that sounds kind of like a dig other than that. Uh, I do like Alameda for a few things it's got an in and out. It's got the best target in the area. It has uh, Maggie's favorite store to go to. Uh, well, I shouldn't say her favorite store, but the, the store that she likes to go to for the kids is called Mommy's Trading Post. So oh. what she does now is like trade in baby clothes and get uh, new new ones from the store. And I feel like she's had to pay because we're trading in so many clothes, like not had to pay for baby clothes hardly at all. Wow. And then what? Very sweet. Yeah, I, I, no, it's a cool island. Um, I do like it. Uh, also, uh, Elena is going to a gym class there, like a gymnastics class, um, every Tuesday. And she does loves she, Does she get to jump into a pit of foam? That's a good question. I don't know if they have a pit of foam. I don't think they do. They have like little... Honestly, I've never even been in there. Oh, okay. Ask Maggie what they have. I just know that Elena loves it. Yeah, that's great. I I just asked that because I took one year of gymnastics as a kid, and then my favorite thing was like diving board into a pit of foam. That's amazing. I think I remember going to one gymnastics class as a kid and really enjoying it. Yeah. But I never got to go again. I feel like I was too violent. I remember I was causing a ruckus when I was there. I think they were like, get this kid out of here. Maybe I was too, and I, I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. All right, final sip. This one is... Uh, how's, it, how's it sitting with you? I mean, it's sitting pretty well. I wouldn't say it's like blowing me out of the water, but it's got a nice evenness, a little bit of the sweetness, but that, it's, not, it's not so potent. I kind of like that it's easy drinking. I might be giving it a, uh, a little bump for being so local and me not even realizing how local it was. Let me decide with this final sip here. All right. We got, we got the today's the super bowl, but the real 
barn burner is what is this whiskey going to get? Exactly. I'm going to go ahead and put this whiskey on the smooth frame. All right. Alameda represent. Yeah, I won't say it's got a first-class ticket, but it certainly belongs on the train. I'll drink more of it. I could definitely see myself drinking it neat or on the rocks. So I think it's got to be there. All right. Go ahead and get yourself B&E, Breaking and Entering American Whiskey by St. George Spirits here in Alameda, California. It got recommended. Yeah, I'm curious to where on the island it is because I don't recognize it. Um, it might be on the west side of the island, which used to be more military stuff. There's even like a, a landing strip over there, although I, I don't think they land any planes there. But it's funny, so much of the Bay Area is like formerly military, and seeing how they repurpose that stuff is just kind of neat. We should try to go to one when I come out, when Lisa and I come out to the Bay Area, we should try to go to a uh, distillery. Let's find it. Let's find this one if we can. Yeah. Our like total, but this would be a good one. Yep. All right. Mentioned our top five list of talking about the uh, most active NBA trade deadlines, most interesting, most surprising. What is the adjective that you want to go with for this one? I kind of went with like shocking, the most shocking trades from a deadline almost. Love it. So I'm, I'm picking, I'm picking kind of like, yeah, the year, but then also like I pinpointed a, a deal that really bored me. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about that. The other NBA thing that is about to happen is the all-star game. Oh so yeah. This would be the perfect time to test run a new game. If it works, we'll keep doing it. But this round, no stakes. Let's just see how it goes. But the game is called Did They Ever? And the theme of this week's game is Did They Ever Make an All-Star Team? Ooh. NBA All-Star? NBA All-Star Team. Okay. And the theme within a theme is the players that I'm going to give you all played for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh Oh. Now... When I ask you, when I give you a player, all you have to say is, did they make an all-star team or did they not? It doesn't mean they had to make it while a part of the Charlotte Hornets. Okay. It means that they spent a good part of their career with the Charlotte Hornets. Maybe they made it with a different team. That's fine. In that case, that would still be a yes, they made an all-star team. So we are going to see your knowledge of the NBA. Are you ready? I am. I'm very excited. Okay. Your first name. Actually, I realized. <laughs> okay. <laughs> theme. With it, theme, um, correction. Not necessarily the Charlotte Hornets. Could also be the Charlotte Bobcats. Okay. That's fair. Charlotte okay. NBA franchise. Okay. All right. Here we go. Yeah. The city of Charlotte, North Carolina. Your first name, Gerald Wallace. Yes. Yes. Correct. He did. Okay. You're one for one. Your second name, little Bulls connection here too, as well as Sonics, Kendall Gill. Ooh, Kendall Gill. Now that is, I was, when you introduced this game to me recently today, I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. My only, I'm pretty good at staying in tune with the All-Star games, I feel like. But Kendall Gill is a perfect example of one where I feel like in my head, I think he made an NBA All-Defensive team. He had 11 steals in a game once. Yeah. NBA record. He was a defensive whiz. I also know he had one really good season. 
that like statistically more than the rest, but I still feel like the answer is no. You're correct. The answer is no. He actually yes. has two seasons of scoring more than 20 points a game. Oh, okay. Still never made an all-star team. Okay. Uh, all right. You are two for two. Your third name, Glenn Rice. I gotta think Glenn Rice made an all-star team. Is that your final answer? Yes. Yes. Actually, this is interesting. He made three consecutive all-star teams. Okay. And was the with the Heat? Player. And one of them, 1990 oh. all-star game. He was the MVP. <laughs> wow. I like Glenn Rice. He was a smooth shooting forward. Yeah. All right. Your fourth name, father of Steph Curry, Del Curry. No. No. Okay. Easily said. Correct. Four for four. You are pretty good at this. I'm not going to lie. Your fifth name, the smallest NBA player of all time, as far as I know, Muggsy Bogues. Yes. No, he never made one. He didn't? Muggsy didn't? Oh, how could Muggsy not? should have, right? Yeah. Why would you not want him in the All-Star game? He's awesome. He was like Earl Boykin before Earl Boykin was around. Exactly. Okay. You were four for five. That's pretty good. I'm going to have to think about this in the future. Uh, if we start doing this a little bit more, making them a little tough. I'm pretty, I'm, I feel like for the most part, I'm shocked Muggsy Bogues didn't, but I feel like I usually pay attention to who makes it every year. And it's always sticking around in my brain somewhere. Yeah. Every so often I see these like pictures and it says like from the 1999 all-star game. And there's always one or two players in there. I'm like, wow, that person made an all-star team. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like stunned. Like, and wow, the uniforms were teal and black. <laughs> <laughs> I always, to me, I'm like, okay, they played the All-Star game in Phoenix every year? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, all right. Still I loved it. Great game. Yeah, great game. Um, and you did well at it. So, folks at home, look out for more Did They Ever. I'm going to put some echo on that. I'll cut it out and... Make it yeah. sound look cool. Uh, okay. We're talking about the most shocking NBA trade deadline deals. Was there anything before we jump into this list, B-Pimp, where you were just like, I know it's this is the first thing that came to mind and everything else is, is like, were you thinking more recent? How far in the past are you going? Where's your brain yeah. this? You know, it's interesting at first, actually a trade from this year is what really stuck with me that made me think about this idea. And then as I went back and looked, there weren't quite as many, there was more, I feel like there's more shocking off season trades maybe. Um, but there was still, there was still enough for me to have like a solid five that I felt good about, but it was almost like I thought of it this year. And then I knew there was also another recent one I had on my list that stuck in my brain of like, there have been some crazy where like a team just takes a crazy change of direction. Basically. There are some hard pivots in here and some funny moments. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's get into it. These are our top five most shocking NBA trade deadline deals. More than four, less than six. It's the top five. All right, B-Pem, what's your number five? My number five from the 2001 NBA season, Dikembe Matumbo was traded from the Hawks to the 76ers for a package around Theo Ratliff. Yeah, well, and the 76ers then, I believe, made the finals that year. Mm Mm-hmm. 
him and AI were a great combo. Yeah, that was uh, when I was doing some research on this, because I just frankly don't have the memory to not do research on this. That one came up a lot. That's I just, I just remember thinking like, I know Dikembe Mutombo started his career with the Nuggets, which you know all too well, but he did become identified to me with the Hawks. And then I was just surprised when they traded him. And then he went on to like kind of sail around the league a little bit after that. But that was a shock to me. You know, what was funny when we were, when I was briefly putting the game together, not that Dikembe ever played for the Charlotte Hornets that I'm more of, but, uh, I was curious. I was like, well, how many all-star games did Akembe make? I was like, I guess he probably made a couple, but you know, there was like a lot of great centers in that era, although he was the later end of it. And then I looked and he made eight all-star games. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. Dikembe was a force. Yeah, he really was. Uh, all right. My number five is Blake Griffin for Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, and some other pieces in 2018. And what's so funny about this trade is it was just after Blake Griffin signed a huge contract with the Clippers and they made a whole show to say like, you are our piece. You're going to be, you're having your Jersey retired here. And they only had him for half a season. And then yeah. they him. Yep. Man, I can't believe, I actually, I didn't have any honorable mentions, but I feel like that almost should be because I kind of forgot about that. That's a that was a shock. It was hilarity. All right, yeah. four. My number four is from the nineteen ninety four season. This is the oldest trade on my list. Ooh. Um, the human highlight reel, Dominique Wilkins, got traded from the Atlanta Hawks to the Los Angeles Clippers for Danny Manning. That's a crazy ass trade. I haven't thought much about Danny Manning. I just remember he had such a stink face all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and he was so, he just seemed like he, to me, it seemed like he never even wanted to be out there. I remember out of defiance, and this was when I was young, probably right before this trade, because he was still on the Clippers. He demanded the ball to bring it up the court. He's not really a point guard, but he could handle the ball. And then he got a 10 second violation at the time. Cause he didn't bring it up half court in time. Cause he walked it up. And in my, my younger self was like, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> I've never seen somebody so aggressively like shoot their own team in the foot like that. Yeah. Yeah. Not a Danny Manning fan, huge highlight reel fan though. Oh God. Dominique Wilkins. The best. Uh, what a great dunker. He is to me. I don't know where I want to put like Vince Carter on the list, but after Sean Kemp, I think Dominic Wilkins is my favorite dunker of all time. Yeah. The ferocity. Oh, awesome. All right. Number four for me, almost going back to the same year, but one year later, Clyde, the glide Drexler for Otis Thorpe, uh, a draft pick and other pieces in 1995, going from the Portland trailblazers to the Houston Rockets to help them win their second championship. Oh man, what an ad by the Rockets. And yeah. I'm really happy to see Clyde be able to end his career like that with the championship. Yeah, that was great. I remember that too, like being a feel good thing for me because like Jordan wasn't playing. So I was like, okay, this yeah. is good. I can root for this. And Clyde had been to the you know finals twice before with the Blazers, not had success. And it was just cool to see. Mm -hmm. All right. What's your number three? 
My number three is from last year when James Harden and Paul Millsap got traded from the Nets to the Sixers for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and the based drum god, Andre Drummond. Great one. This one is is the first one on my honorable mentions. I think it was – I just saw a quote from James Harden today about how it, how um, dysfunctional the Nets organization was with KD, Kyrie, and him. And he's like, now when you look – when you, like, go back to when I got traded and everybody was like, how could you want to get out of this after you just got into this situation? He's like, I don't look as crazy now, right? Like, it was a messed up situation. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. My number three is from this year. I'm going to say it. I woke up to it. I saw your text. And I was like, oh, what's Brian referring to? Went to ESPN.com, Kevin Durant for Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, a few other players and other stuff and picks uh, between the Nets and the Suns. Wow. Just that final piece to totally, totally uh, that last remnant of the big three that the Nets had when they did play together, the few, few games that Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant played together, they were so, so good. Mm-hmm. And that last piece. Yeah, I was surprised. I, I really did not think, I thought he was going to stay and like they were going to surround him again with people he liked, you know, like he was going to run the show, but no, they. It appears like the new owner of the Suns and the Nets got together and just hammered it out. Hugh wants to make a splash, uh, the new owner of the Suns. Yeah. And I got to say, if they stay healthy and focused, Chris Ball, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, another guy, DeAndre Ayton, what a starting lineup. It's probably, uh, I bet they're going to start, um, what's the guy's name that just constantly shows up in the playoffs and he doesn't play all year? Oh, my God. Robert Ory? No. no. <laughs> He's like the new Robert Ory, though. I can't think of his name. Oh, my God. It's going to bother me. But anyway, yeah, that's that is a that's a good four out of five for sure. Yeah. I wonder if they'll start the, God, who's the other player that came from the Nets with it? Oh, um TJ Warren. Yeah. What if, oh, if it's, I thought he had a foot injury still. Oh, maybe he does. Yeah. Right, well, we'll see what happens, but uh, that's a good team. Could be a good team. Mm-hmm. All right. What's your number two? My number two is from 2003 when the Seattle Supersonics traded Gary Payton and Desmond Mason to the Bucks for Ray Allen. That was a stunner. I, I can't say I was like devastated when that happened. But it, it was very clearly like, okay, this is the end of this Sonics era. I also yeah. heard Desmond Mason a lot. So yeah. I was pretty disappointed. And I also heard that, like, you know, Desmond Mason was a young guy, and he himself was, I think, slightly heartbroken. Yeah. He would, he had made a name for himself with his dunking, and, like, he was in a few dunk contests and won a couple, didn't he? Yeah. At least one. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, it was always him going up against Jay Rich. Which yeah, a dunk contest underrated. Oh yeah, that was great compared to what we've had like in our adult lives. That was the heyday after the you know the Dominique and Jordan years. But yeah, yeah, that was a stunning trade. Yeah, the glove going to the Midwest. Yeah. All right. I will. I'll. I'll have more to say on that later. My number two was. Uh, 
2008, Al Gasol, for his brother, and Kwame, oh, yeah. and a few others. And I remember this at the time, thinking Pau Gasol going to the Lakers, uh, and again, this is Lakers and the Grizzlies. Um, and just thinking, like, oh, shit. The Lakers are real good now. Mm-hmm. And they they proved that out with two championships over the next three seasons. But, yeah, I, I, I often forget how good Pau Gasol was, too. He was a really great complimentary play, uh, player to Kobe. He was also still good when he was on the Bulls for a few years later on. He was still very good. Yeah. He, no, he, he, he was really good. Uh, and that was a pretty stunning and lopsided. Well, the funny thing is, at the time, it seemed incredibly lopsided. In reality, the Grizzlies getting Marcus All was a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. But it took a little bit for that to materialize. Uh, but yeah, big trade. Yeah, it was huge. All right, now I'm I'm going through my own honorable mentions and trying to figure out. Oh wait, no, I guess I wouldn't know what your number one is. Okay, give us your number one. The KD trade this year for Mikael Bridges. And okay, here's a little add-on. Did you hear the rumors about what was offered after the Nets got Bridges? No. Some team, the Grizzlies offered them four first-round picks for him. Mikael Bridges is really good. That's kind of he great. is really good. I don't think it's crazy. I think it's legit. I think that's what his market probably would be. Because he's like 26. He's like fits the mold of every team that's good, that's trying to be great, needs that player. Like he is the player they need. He, yeah. No, and that's a good point because there is, you know, there's so many good players out there who you get them and then you realize, okay, if we're going to get this player, that means he's probably lacking in some way and we have to compliment him with this other type of player. Mikel Bridges is the opposite of that. You could put him on any any team and he would make it better. Yep. He's like the number one person who I would like, if I'm just thinking fantasy-wise, like if I was the GM of the Bulls, what are the kind of players I would be targeting? He's like fits the mold perfectly as that player. Yeah. No. Great call out. I honestly, people forget, and it, it was brought up on a podcast that I listened to, but the Nets are still going to make the playoffs. Yeah. They're, they're like 10 games over 500. Yeah, so they, but I think people expect them to just like fall off the face of the earth. And honestly, they're a good team. No, I, yeah, I, I did. I think my bees beef making fun of them was more just because the trades had just happened. So like their players were in travel, like they didn't have their full roster yet. It wasn't like what their full roster will be after those trades. I think it's still very good. But just like that night for them to kick the bull's ass like that, who had no trades. It's oh, yeah. Hilarious. No, no, no. That is a good point. I will. Yeah. This brings me to my number one, because you always have those moments with the team where they're like just between trades and they're like, they have a weird skeleton roster. Yeah. But my number one is the, is the Peyton Allen trade. Okay. Which, which again was just, I think, because it was the Sonics, because it was Gary Payton after 13 seasons with the Sonics finally leaving. You like never realize, like he he could be traded. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, even though it wasn't with the Bucks, I am very happy that he won a championship with the Heat like a few years later. Yeah. Uh, but going back, what I remember about that trade too is so when we didn't have Payton, Dez was gone. And Allen had not come yet. Uh, Brent Barry ran point for a game and was like 
awesome. He had like 11 assists. As oh, a, yeah. I didn't even know he could do that. I could see it. Yeah. Uh, and he became like a, though he never really started at point guard again that I can think of. I feel like from that moment on, it was a realization that he he could kind of do that role. He could be like the second unit point guard, you know, like that kind of thing where like you switch from being the scorer to the facilitator in the second unit kind of thing. Yeah, like I like when players can do that. Yeah. Uh, all right. You got any honorable mentions? No, I had uh, Zilch. I just I hit those five and that, that was it. You had great ones. Uh, okay. The, the other ones I had were Ben Simmons for James Harden last year. I thought this was surprising and odd, but the Knicks and Mavs trading Porzingis for Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, yeah. That is kind of crazy. Really <laughs> weird. And I didn't think Dennis Smith Jr. would drop off like that, although I guess he had. I'd have to follow up on it, like a minor resurgence. Um, so I'm happy for him. Uh, but um, a funny trade that happened, although not totally unexpected, was DeMarcus Cousins to the Pelicans for Buddy Heald and others in 2017 because it happened during the All-Star game. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and then uh, I guess I wouldn't even call this shocking, but that Carmelo Anthony was traded uh, at the deadline for Wilson Chandler, Danilo Garn- Gallinari, and others to the Knicks for 2011. That was one of those cases where like, he's trying to force himself to the Knicks you almost don't want him to be able to do it, but then he did it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So those are the other ones that I had, but yeah, there've been some really good deadline deals. Yeah. Uh, it's always exciting to see what the teams decide to do. The mid season yeah. point, especially now with like the play in tournament and stuff. Or in the case of the bulls going back to the beef, if they decided to do nothing at all at literally zero, and then they're probably going to sign Russell Westbrook or like somebody in the bio market. Who's just not going to, it's going to be nothing. Doesn't yeah. matter. And we'll see what happens. Uh, all right, folks at home, if you have trade deadline deals you think we forgot about, something that you want to comment on, go ahead and hit us up. Email us at whiskey sessions music at gmail.com. We'll read your email on a future episode, but we got to get to the emails for this episode. So let's do it. These are your emails. You sent us emails to read. Emails. And now we'll read. Them. All right, what do we got in the old email inbox? Hey guys, last episode on favorite podcast was great as always. I think you can run with that topic again. But I have to do a shout out to my favorite podcast, which is by Nick DeGilio from Chicago, titled the Nick D Podcast on RadioMisfits.com. So we got we're giving a shout out to Nick D here. All right. It's pop cultured, orientated movies, music, TV, and some live theater. It's awesome. Thank you for your time. Scott from Villa Park. This is my lovely wife, Lisa's father, Scott, our longtime listener. So shout out to Scott. Thank you for shout out to Scott from Villa Park. I like the uh, live theater throw in. Uh-huh. You don't hear yeah. it. I don't remember the last time I've even been to a live theater show. Uh, yeah. Great call out. I will check out the Nick DeGilio. Yeah. The Nick D show. Okay. All right, we've got another email in the old inbox that says, Dear Whiskey Sessions, happy birthday month. Do you have any words of wisdom for aspiring podcasters? And this is from Maurice in Sacco, Seiko, Maine. Hmm. What would you say to someone who's just starting a podcast? Um, don't steal our gimmicks. 
Nope. First of all. Um, if you have I, any kind of train gimmick, I'm going to sue you. If you have a top five list. <laughs> yeah, I, definitely a lot of lawsuits coming. I wouldn't even go so far as to say whatever original idea they do have, they should actually give us that first idea so we can run with it. And then you can run with your other ideas. Also, do a proof of concept by getting really drunk and eating pizza and then recording a, a episode at like 1.30 in the morning to see if you have legs. Yes, that is the ultimate test. Mm-hmm. And here we are that many years later, still going strong. We have lots of legs. Yeah, we do. Um, it's episode 154. That's how many legs we have. That's a lot of legs. There's yeah. at least two to 17 legs per episode, too. So that's a lot. Exactly. <laughs> um, but it's been another great episode. Excited for the rest of the NBA season. See what shakes out. Uh, B Pimp, you got any words of liz- wisdom to leave our listeners with? If you're a Bulls fan, lower your expectations. Lowered expectations. <laughs> that was the one thing from Mad TV I ever liked. That was great. That yeah. was a bad dating sh- like clip, <laughs> basically, <laughs> premise. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, we'll Google it. Uh, all right, until next time, this is A Matt saying peace out. And B Pimp saying bye bye.